Welcome to Totally Women Podcast. Totally Women is a bi-weekly podcast that uncovers essential health knowledge and highlights inspiring journeys that transforms women's lives. I'm your host, Rosemary Crosdale, a licensed adult gerontology nurse practitioner. And this season, we want to hear from you. Email us at totallywomanpod1 at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at totallywomanpod to join our conversation. While we encourage you to listen to this podcast for health tips, it is not a substitute for a relationship with a primary care provider or clinic. Now let's get to today's episode. Have I told you ladies how grateful and appreciative I am for all of your support? I cannot say thank you enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're the reason why this podcast is going and we are hitting a second season. I have to shout out though, Canada and Manhattan, Manhattan, New York. So appreciative and blessed to have your continued support on this journey. Ladies, let's delve into episode two on which we will be talking about cervical cancer. As many of you know, January is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month. So what better way to bring insights on this condition that affects so many women? What is cervical cancer? Let us start by defining what cervical cancer is. Cervical cancer is a type of cancer that occurs in the cells of the cervix. The cells in the cervix become abnormal. So these cells in your cervix, and now these cells will become abnormal because they're changing. And they're changing because now the cancer has affected them in some way. The morphology of the cell now changes. The structure of the cell then, as it were, is now changing as a result of the cancer being present. The cervix is located in the lower part of the uterus that connects to the vagina. Approximately 93 to 95% of cervical cancers is caused by HPV. So HPV is the reason for a lot of the diagnosis when it comes to cervical cancer. Some other types of cervical cancer may be very rare, and some of those we may not know what the actual cause are. They could be environmental and as well as other things. But the ones that we do know of and that is very significant is the ones caused by HPV. And when I say HPV, I'm talking about the human papilloma virus. HPV is primarily transmitted during sexual contact. I'm going to say that again. HPV is primarily contracted through sexual contact. It can be passed through vaginal, anal, or oral sex. Okay? So those are the way there has to be some kind of intimate skin-to-skin -skin connection 
that causes you to connect with someone else. And this is how HPV is normally transmitted. And this HPV can lead to cervical cancer. HPV can lead to vaginal, vulvular, or penile cancer. Also cancer of the oropharynx, which is located at the back of your throat. Genital warts, this occurs on the genitalia. The warts can appear on the genitals. They can appear on your mouth or also on your anus. And sometimes they will look like cauliflower. They may not be painful, so sometimes you may not know that you have them. And that's why sometimes, ladies, I always stress, it's your body, you have to take the time to know it. Look at yourself, look at what is normal for you, look and see if there's any changes from when you last check your bodies. It's your body, so you have to get to know it. What are some of the risk factors for cervical cancer? So the fact that you're a woman and you have a cervix, that is a risk factor, right? You have a cervix. Women with a history of HPV. So women get HPV, it was treated, and they keep getting recurrences. We say they have a history of HPV. Women with a weakened immune system. So there are other issues going on with you. You have other comorbidities. Maybe, you know, you have, for example, end-stage renal disease. There are some other things going on that could compromise your immune system that causes now that even this uh, virus, you, your body cannot shed it. Multiple sexual partners. Becoming sexually active at a very early age and also smoking. Those are some of the risk factors that are associated with HPV, human papilloma virus. So let's talk about some of the signs and symptoms and understand that sometimes you may have no symptoms. A lot of times women have no symptoms and that's why this cancer can be so dangerous because it's not like you can just look and you see your cervix, right? You can't tell if it's changed in any way. So it's very hard to tell. But some of the very common symptoms that is associated with cervical cancers are abnormal vaginal bleeding. And when I say abnormal vaginal bleeding, that could be, you know, you had your cycle, your cycle is over, and now here you started having a, another episode of bleeding again, and it's not your fertile period, it's not your period at all. So bleeding in between periods, abnormal bleeding, right? Bleeding after intercourse, okay? So you have intercourse and then now you're having bleeding. Increase vaginal discharge. So now you're having vaginal discharge that you notice that you've not had before. So that could be another sign. Pelvic pain or pain in your back, right? And understand that some of these symptoms are just some of the symptoms that are listed. You may have this, but you may not present with any symptoms. Painful sexual intercourse, so pain with sex, okay? The feeling of having, feeling like your, your pelvic area is full, okay? Pelvic fullness. So those are some of the common signs and symptoms that are associated with cervical cancer. But understand, and I want to stress that, ladies, that sometimes you may not present with any symptoms, right? That is very important to know. So you may not have any pain, you may not have any abnormal vaginal bleeding, or you may, 
right? So these are some of the common symptoms that you may have, or like I said, there may be no symptoms at all. After now we've discussed about the symptoms, let us talk about some of the treatments that has to do with cervical cancer, right? There is a procedure, it's called the LEAP procedure, and that is L-E-E-P. Those are the abbreviations. And it stands for the Loop Electrosurgical Excision Procedure. I'm going to say that again, Loop Electrosurgical Excision Procedure. Now, how does this procedure work? This procedure is used to treat in the very, very early stage. So this is very early on in the onset of being diagnosed, very, very early, okay? So it's not even stage, probably about stage zero to stage one, right? This is around where this procedure can be helpful. So what this procedure does is that they take a thin loop wire and that wire has some electrical current on there. And what they do is that they try to get rid of the abnormal tissue by using that electrical wire to kind of burn off those abnormal tissue. And then those abnormal tissue are sent now for further pathology, right? So once they get the, uh, the tissue, they're going to send it for further pathology. If further treatment is needed, then you may have to have now total abdominal hysterectomy. What is that? That is when you have your uterus and everything removed, a total abdominal hysterectomy, meaning that the cervix, the uterus, your ovaries, everything is removed, okay? And in advanced stages, we're looking at chemotherapy and radiation. So understand that treatment is going to be dependent on the stage that you are, right? How far along are you? What stage are you? Did we just find out about it? And it's something that we can do the leap for. And this could be something that is done in your OB's office, right? It's not something that you have to go to the hospital for. But it could be a procedure next that if it's more advanced, you may need to have a total hysterectomy done. Or now it's very, very advanced and you may need to have chemotherapy along with radiation. So those are just some of the treatments that is available for treating cervical cancer. So how do we prevent cervical cancer from happening, right? How do I prevent this? I cannot stress enough screenings, screenings. And this takes me back to the nitty gritty, right? In season one, we talk about screenings. I touched on vaccines. And I know people are very like touchy feely when it comes to vaccines. But in terms of screening, right? When we talked about the HPV and how HPV is transmitted and that it's 93 to 95% cause and lead into cervical cancer, HPV, there's a vaccine that is available for HPV. So the vaccination is recommended. It's recommended for girls and it's also recommended for boys, right? I'm just going to say that this vaccine can be given around 11 to 12 years old. If it's not given during that time, then we can get it 11 up until 26 years of age, 
Okay. So from 11 to 26, you can get it if you did not get it when you were younger. And usually when you're younger in the beginning, 11 to 12, you probably would get just two doses. But now if you're getting it much later, then they would require you to have three doses. Okay. And that's how, based on how, you know, you go in, maybe one would be given six months later, a month later, depending on how your vaccines are given in terms of scheduling them. And your primary person or your doctor would know how to do this because at 11 and 12 years old, your child is not going to a GYN. This is your primary or your family doctor or your family nurse practitioner who is taking care of these things, right? That those are the people that you would be seeing. So vaccines, very, very important. And that is one of the preventative measures that we can use, okay? Secondly, understand also that 30 to 65 during that time, we're also doing a pap smear as well as the HPV testing as well. So this is done by your GYN doctor, or some of you, if you'd go to your OBGYN, this is what they would be doing. So a pap smear, ladies, is very important. I know it's uncomfortable. Nobody say, yippee I'm going to go get my pap smear done. Nobody does that, right? But guess what? It has to be done, right? You're going to be uncomfortable for a few moments. Well, well, not a few moments. We know it's a little bit longer than that, but you know. We are uncomfortable, but guess what? It's something that, guess what? It's going to optimize your health because when you know your status, we will know how to treat you. So if your pap test is abnormal, now we know that they can take preventative measures to see now how can they go about to get you further testing and to see if you need to do any kind of treatments or anything like that. So screening, I cannot stress enough, screening screening, screening. Very, very, very important. And also, if you are not due for a pap smear, if you're sexually active, right? Some of you are sexually active. You may have one partner, but some of you are sexually active with multiple partners. We have to be realistic, right? We're living in that time. Even before that time, people have been, you know, well, that's not for me to get into, but anyway, that's your business. But if that fits your description and you feel like, okay, especially if you have a new partner and you feel like something new has changed about your body, then you can also, if it's not within the three-year time, you can get a pap smear before that time, okay? So screening is very important. And these are preventative measures that we can do before you actually get the disease, right? It's preventative, guys. There's no reason for us to be getting cervical cancer if it can be prevented. So if it can be prevented, I cannot stress enough how important getting your pap smear is, right? Very, very important. So if you're 21 or older and you've never had a pap smear, now is the time to find a GYN. If you don't have one, you can get recommendations from your primary provider. You can get recommendations from your friend, your mom, right? And other people around you. Also, depending on your insurance carrier, you can also figure out which GYN is available to you as well. Okay. Another preventative measure that I can talk about is condoms. Condoms are used to practice safer sex. 
The thing about condoms, though, is that we have to make sure that we're using them correctly. So a lot of us, we're used to adding, you know, petroleum jelly, lubricants and stuff like that. Do not put stuff like that on your condoms because it will weaken the condom. So no Vaseline, no baby oil, no mineral oil should be put on a condom, okay? Also make sure that you're using the correct size, right? You need to be using the correct size of the condom. In order for the condom to be effective, it has to be the correct size. Do not double up on your condom. Putting on two condoms is not going to be more effective than just wearing the usual one, okay? So doubling up on condoms is is a definite no-no. Don't do that. And also what is important? Communication. Communication is important. If you and someone can engage in sexual activity and you cannot necessarily talk to this person, then something is not right. I mean, I understand that there are circumstances where, you know, things happen, but we have to be cognizant of what is happening to our bodies, what we're putting into our bodies. This is something that is preventable right? It's preventable. So why do we want to go ahead and get something that we can prevent from happening to us, right? So I want you ladies to make sure that you are putting yourself and prioritizing yourself. It's not just about your hair and your makeup and stuff, but your sexual health as well, your bodies. Look at your bodies. Look at your vaginas. Know what is going on. Know what is normal. Know if something changed. If you have a pimple here, you know, some of you, if you have hair, you, you trim and you, you know, you got to take care of yourself. Make sure you're drying yourself properly and you're, you're practicing these things so that if when something does go wrong, because HPV can also cause vaginal cancer, cancer of the vulva, right? So these are things that can also, you know, happen. And these are things that are preventable. They are preventable. So because they're preventable, we should be doing the things that we know how to do to prevent them. Getting your pap smears on a regular basis and getting screened and getting vaccinated if you have not yet been vaccinated. So ladies, just to recap on everything, I know that's a mouth, it's more than a mouthful, right? It's a lot of information, but that's what I'm here for. I'm here to provide the information to you and just to guide you because what I want for myself, I want for you as well. And I want for you in 2024 that you're not only going to be healthy physically, but your mind, body, and spirit, right? externally and internally, right? Pay attention. Look at yourself. It's your body. Touch it. Take a mirror. Look. Know what is your normal. Know if you're having abnormal discharge. Know the color of the discharge. Maybe you have to wear a panty liner or something if you're noticing, you know, different changes if you can't tell. When you wipe yourself, look at the tissue, right? Look if they, look at the color that is that is showing on there. Does it have blood on it? You have to look back the same thing when you, you know, when you poop, different things. I cannot stress these things enough. These are ways for us to incorporate into our everyday lives to make sure that we're optimizing our health. 
Because what are we without our health, right? If you don't have your health, it's like you have nothing. So I want you to be healthy, body, mind, and spirit, right? Physically, sexually, in every kind of way. That's what I'm here for. I am here to continue to inspire you, to motivate you, and to uplift you. Can't wait for you to join me on episode three. Totally Women podcast is hosted by Rosemary Crosdale. This episode was produced by Kwana and Wise Grisette. Episode artwork by Estrella Grisette and powered by Indie Creative Podcasts.